Today on Locked On Red Wings, we do a crossover with the hosts of Locked On Avalanche. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are joined by the host of Locked on Detroit Red Wings, Brian Fisher and Scott Bentley. And of course, Mr. Shaggy Von Du, my co-host over at Locked on Avalanche. Thank you for tuning in, making this your first listen of the day. That is always appreciated. Uh, yeah, we, we are uh, a lot to get to on this episode uh, because when is there not anything to talk about when it's the Avalanche and the Red Wings? I mean, I think... Things have have calmed down between the fan bases, but it's still there. It's still in the background. It's always in the back of the mind, is it not? Well, it's not only it's I think what has also helped is that both teams are very like their front offices and coaching staffs are like very like the old boys club is like very much still like kind of running. (laughs) both. So I think that that's probably fueled it a little bit longer as well. Yes. So uh, a lot to get to. You can see on the the rundown over there, if you're joining on YouTube, we'll get to uh, what the expectations are for this Red Wings team uh, this season. We'll talk about Darren Helm. It's it's not very often a player can bring these two fan bases together. (laughs) Somehow did that. Uh, But we're going to start with another player that is now going to be playing for both of these franchises uh, we'll get to everything that, that the Red Wings have done over this this offseason so far, which is a ton. Uh, but we're going to start, obviously, with JT Comfer. He was you know, signed by the Red Wings 5.1 AAV. What was the term on that, fellas? Five years. years? Five years? Okay. Um, we kind of knew in Avalanche land that he, he was not going to be hanging around. The, the center market was pretty thin. You knew he was going to probably cash in somewhere else. He did that. Detroit, I think, was one of the teams that people were kind of throwing around um, among others. But, you know, going to Michigan for his college career, uh, I think some people figured if it's not the Avalanche, Red Wings could be a a buyer for him. They are. I want to get your take or they were. I want to get your take on on just bringing him in. Was it as expected? Was it at the number you guys are comfortable with? Uh, well, Scotty and I talked a lot during before the free agency period opened about guys that we would want the Red Wings to bring in. And he was like on the list for us because the Red Wings going in. I mean, they weren't a playoff team. They have a lot of holes to fill. Number one, they needed scoring. Number two, they need center depth. Three, defense. Four, goaltending. I've been kind of addressed all those things this offseason. Mm-hmm. But center depth was a huge thing. And I looked at the I looked at the list, and it was let's be honest, a weak free agent market this year. And I was like, JT Comfers, like the best available player, and coming off a career year of fifty two points and eighty two games played with what was as as far as I can remember, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, a really banged up Colorado Avalanche team for the bulk of the season, like. He was Understood due to get. It. He was Understood. due to get paid, <laughs> and I, I think he got paid a little bit more than I'm comfortable would have been comfortable giving him. But again, that's I think a consequence of it being a weak free agent market. And I yeah. think he, again, I think he just makes the team better. So I'm overall happy with the signing. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we we celebrated it for sure. And and to Brian's point, like the the term, I want to ask you all about the the AAV especially because that was something that we had talked about and and we're like yeah like it's it's more like the the weak free agent class as brian said like certainly helps that like helps him in that case when he's one of the better players on the market for sure but 
Um, uh, we were at the end of the day, pretty pleased with it. And this is a, a team that in the Red Wings that has a ton of cap, like flexibility. We just actually, yesterday's show was like a whole episode about like the cap flexibility that the wings have going forward and still at their hands currently. So, um, kind of like, uh, we'll kind of take the overpay a little bit. It's not like we're, we're paying somebody who's over the hill. Like he's in his prime years kind of thing. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll live with it. You know, special <clears throat> teams, he can play multiple roles and all that. So, we were pleased, but I did want your guys' opinion, obviously, as the team that chose to not bring him back, how you felt about the contract that he ended up getting. Go ahead, Kyle. Ha-ha! No. <laughs> <laughs> like, 5.1 is definitely, I mean, an overpay a little bit. In yeah. Colorado, yes, he came off a contract year, but the number that was being kicked around was like, three three and a half maybe four because yes you are getting them off a contract year but something we not only just jt comfort but last year entirely me and chris and all the everydayers know we went player by player listing grades and inconsistency was the tone for a lot of players to step up they just did not do it and jt comfort had the opportunity to step up yes he had career best in points but you just never know what JT Comfort you're going to get. And we always say, like Chris especially, when it comes to the playoffs, playoff JT Comfort is what you want to see. Yeah. Last year, you didn't see that. It was, which was weird. So, it's, it's, very, yeah. it's, it's very weird. He had everything going for him, and it just didn't click. So yeah. I don't know if it's a change of scenery that's going to help, but I'm also curious, is – what are you expecting out of JT Comfer? As you know, the former home of JT Comfer, we know kind of what to expect because there's no consistency there. But what are you expecting for his contributions to the Red Wings? Well, I, I mean, I think so. Brian and I did a we we've done a couple of episodes, kind of like laying out what we expect, like the lines to be already, which is like it's July, but like you know what I mean, like sure, right yeah, now, yeah. After More after like free agency, yeah. right? We added so <laughs> many players that like it was kind of like justified just because of the influx of talent. So um, with him, our expectation right now is we actually had a debate, Brian and I, on the show on whether he was going to be the 2C or the 3C. I think we're kind of leaning toward 3 at, at currently with Andrew Kopp being the 2C. Um, but, like, those are, you know, performance can change. Those two are pretty, uh, I don't know, close enough where, like, that mm -hmm. becomes a conversation. Um, and then, I mean, special teams, it was power play, right, that, like, he, he did well in. So, like, the, I think they're expecting – Currently, our expectations are a solid help on, on the power play and depth center. It might even end up being bottom six center, which is like a, a weird to say for a guy we just gave five mil. But like, right. I, I think if he's getting solid minutes when it comes to third line center and the minutes he'll get on the power play, that that'll probably even itself out. So that's kind of where I stand. I don't know if you're you know dramatically different or not, Brian. No, I mean, you laid it out nicely. Uh, what we talked about on the episode the other day, it's somewhere going to be two or three C, like maybe two C if Andrew Kopp goes back to his wing. Like there's a debate whether or not Andrew Kopp's a better yeah. winger than he is a center. His big thing is he can apparently win face-offs. You didn't see a whole lot of that last year, but coming off a pretty major surgery. So like if Marco Casper makes the roster, you move Kopp to wing, then you could see a future of like, okay, well, Comfort can play like two C. But 
I, I think as it stands right now, you're you're down the middle is looking like it's going to be Larkin Cop comp for Valeno, assuming Valeno ever signs his RFA contract, because uh, that's still not done yet. But you know, it, five point. I just keep going back to as much as I like Comfer as a signing and I like him as a player. I mean, paying five point one million dollars for five years for your third line center just seems steep. But maybe it's not steep. Maybe this is what success. I mean, you guys were you won the Stanley cup last year. Maybe you could tell me like, do you yeah. pay three C's five plus million dollars? The Red Wings haven't been there in over a decade. Uh, so what do I know anymore? <laughs> no, you pay them 4 million is, which is what exactly the avalanche just did. And, and I think there's a lot of avalanche fans listening to you guys right now. Say that, that you, you know, you like the player you're, you question the, the value the the dollar value for a three C because there's a lot of avalanche fans right now who, who are, not not that they hate the Ross Colton deal that they just signed for the four for four, sure. um, but that's who he's replacing is JT Comfort. And you and you know for you guys to say like yeah he could be a two that is one thing he can do. I'll tell you that like he can go up and down the lineup. So mm-hmm. yeah, if you need to slot him in at a two C, he will be completely fine doing that. If for whatever reason you guys have some injuries, he's got to step up to the top line. He could do that too. He he's comfortable. He is a, a cool as they come. Nothing really. And when you'll see when he does like interviews, he's very like monotone. He mm. doesn't get excited. Uh, he, and, and he kind of plays that way, even on the ice. He could he could have a five point night and you wouldn't know it because he's just very calm, cool, collected. Um, and so you like that about him. Like he doesn't really just show like this Nathan McKinnon over the top emotion type of guy. Um but I think for for abs fans, like they, they were, I think they were attached to him just because he had, you know, a, a good amount of years there. But yes, I always looked forward to playoff JT Comfer. Um, that that's kind of where he he always had those those years that, like Kyle was saying, just very like inconsistent or consistently inconsistent, I guess we'll say. <laughs> uh, but when it got to the playoffs, he did turn it up a dial. And he and that's kind of really where he had excelled. So he has qualities that you like. You mentioned the power play. He's he's very good. He finds uh, good op- open spaces on the power play. He played more the second unit for for the Avalanche. I don't know if where he's going to be on the Red. I don't know what the Red Wings power play unit looks like. Where he would slot in? Probably he, power play two. I would imagine yeah, Larkin will be two. your center power play one. So yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. If he can continue um, his last year with the Avalanche, did what he was supposed to do, had a career year and a contract year in a weak center market. And good for, and, and these are two teams that are in different, uh, you know, spots when it comes to the cap. I bring up the Red Wings cap friendly. You guys are making moves left and right. And how do you still have $7 million? Right. Spend, right? It's crazy. And then next year, they're supposed to have like another 30 million barring yeah. any huge extensions kicking in, but unbelievable. That, that's yeah. what our whole episode on uh, Wednesday was about. Right. Was yeah. the, the rolling cap space that the Red Wings have. It's rolling. It's, Eiserman refuses to give out contracts more than four years unless your name's Dylan Larkin. Like, so the, every year we have plenty of people coming off the book just as much and you know and it gives you the flexibility that that's really all it is wow. yeah and and that i think that's the biggest surprise when we talk about this jt comfort contract is that money because stevy and this rebuild and this well the eternal rebuild that has become detroit is how smart they've been with money and how they could put contracts together and for jt comfort to command 5.1 when yes realistically he might be a 3c for you guys for a while yeah. it's just 
it kind of stands out, but <clears throat> I hope it works out for you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, same. It's it's, and I I think you know you you mentioned earlier. You guys had mentioned the the versatility of him. I think that that certainly plays. Not that that single handedly makes it you know justifiable or whatnot, but I think that that plays a role too. You know, like whatever injuries will happen, lineup shuffling is bound to happen with this team and this coaching staff. It's like their favorite mm-hmm. thing to do. So like, I'm, I'm sure he'll. You know, on opening night, if he's 3C, I'm sure by, you know, American Thanksgiving, he's going to be like somewhere different. Like, that's just yeah. kind of right. how it is. So, yeah, right. we'll, we'll see. But that definitely was the biggest thing for sure. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break here from FanDuel. And then uh, we'll discuss another player that has ties to both of these teams. And that is, of course, Darren Helm. But first, you can take your swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus back bonus bets. And you get that win or lose. And that $200 you can spend on everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to be or hit the first home run. Uh, I'm assuming you guys are, are tiger fans. Uh, I'm the host of Locked On Tigers, actually. I didn't know that. (laughs) I did not know that, sir. Wow, you're pulling double duty here at Locked On. I sure am. Yeah. How are the Tigers? I don't. I haven't really been paying too much. Uh, Well, it's you know (laughs) relative to the last six years, better, but still not 500. So take that as you will. All right. All right. Still the the Jim Leland smoking uh, cigarette image. (laughs) The dog. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, You can do this all on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly there's no better place to bet on major league baseball than fanduel america's number one sports book so sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on and get up to 200 dollars in bonus bets fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel is the official partner of major league baseball all right uh darren helm obviously uh he, he played a lot more for the red wings than he did with the avalanche and in his short amount of time with the abs um People just fell in love with the guy. Um, and not only for yeah, not <laughs> only for how he played, but um, he will forever have one of the most memorable goals in, in Avalanche playoff history. As he does, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he will do that. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's got a penchant for that. But um, you know, the the last second shot to beat St. Louis, it, it was it was a thing of beauty. Um, the last year, like. Everybody else seemed to have uh, injury issues with the abs, so he tried to come back multiple times, just couldn't do it. You were hoping that he would give it one more go around, have one more solid season. Uh, you always want that for certain guys to like end, uh, and, you know, and, and to end, you know, the John Elway mm-hmm. uh, leaving at the at the top, but it wasn't in the cards for him. But still, a great career. I Talk about his Red Wings. Ray, I can't believe you didn't go with the Ray Bork there, leaving at the top. There you go. Well, yes. I mean, that's true. I mean, when you go between, between, like, when you're talking, like, Colorado sports, I mean, it's it always goes, all roads lead back to Elway. True. But you are right. right. You are right with with the (laughs) – We literally just talked about Ray Bork the other day, too, about – because we talked about how the Red Wings – not to go off on a tangent, sorry, but, uh, like, talking about guys whose names and numbers could be retired by the Red Wings that aren't right now. And we talked about how the Red Wings – no offense, but the Red Wings have a high, like a really high standard. We're not, and I was like, because the Avalanche retired Ray Bork's number they after did. what a year and a half. They did. Yeah. The organization. It's, it's a little bit of a controversy, but yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, but it yeah, is what it is. <laughs> Darren Helm. I mean, you got you, you in your 
explanation, your breakdown of Darren Helm there, you basically encapsulated the the thoughts and the feelings of Red Wings fans about Darren Helm um, in just a season and 11 games out of him that he gave you, mm-hmm. Colorado. Fan favorite, memorable moments, one of the most memorable moments, at least in recent history for Red Wings fans, and often injured. Because uh, mm. that, was, that was our experience. He played 14 years here, and that's what he's remembered for. Uh, the overtime winner against the Chicago Blackhawks to send the Red Wings to the Stanley Cup final. I believe that was in 2009. That was the year he did it. Uh, and then constantly being injured and then just being a fan favorite with all the, the amount of heart hustle and absolute yeah. sheer speed with zero scoring ability that he had. Zero. Yeah. But well, he was when he did. They, they were beautiful, right? Oh, they, we, he loved Darren Helm real. in Detroit. Uh, it was crazy. And the amount of time that he, like, with the beginning of his journey, like starting it out in the minors. And when he does come up, it matters. And his it's, it's a great story. And when we were talking about like injury deficits, when it comes to the avalanche in last season and just like this overall story career, like Darren Helms is classic of a guy and a classy individual. And for him to have a career with both of these storied organizations, it's just, it's poetic hockey, hockey romance personified. (laughs) Literally. I mean, he he is, he's like, if you were to make a movie about like a hockey player, it would literally be Darren Helms career. Like just like (laughs) constant, you know, adversity, like hurt all the time. Like the, you know, I mean, like everything, like back legs, like you name it. Like at one point we had like a serious injury involving it. Um, But like when he first came up, May I mean he, right like the goal obviously like the shift like people literally just call it like the the shift yeah. like Darren Helm you know there's the YouTube video of his uh, against the Blackhawks like he, yeah, he's penalty kill too in that series that people right are, yeah I think that's yeah the of course shift. like so it's just like he has and, and then you know like I said like injuries like not playing a bunch like then goes to. Uh, a different team, like, oh, you know, last hurrah, I'm going to like score like a, an incredibly important <laughs> goal just the same way at the end of my career that I did to start my career. And then, you know, right off into the sunset kind of thing. Like, just, you know, not a perfect ending. Like, it really is. It's 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 a how can you not be romantic about hockey type of type of career, truly. He so, really okay. should have not run it back one last time. Like, he started his career with the Stanley yeah. Cup championship. He could have finished it. With yeah. a Stanley Cup championship and we'll just been like, it. I'm done. Yeah, that I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. That's that's the poetic way to do it. For you guys, what was, I mean, how, how do you? What was your rooting interest during that Cup final between the Avs and the Lightning? It was it one of those things where it's just like I can't root for the Avalanche, but when it's over, all right, Helmer got another one that, that that'll put a smile on my face. Or how Literally. did it go for you guys? Well, we can't root for the Lightning either. Same division. They won two straight cups. I personally <laughs> was like, I'm done with the Lightning. I yeah. was actively rooting for the Avalanche. And that's right. going to come a- as a maybe a blasphemous statement to some of our listeners. But, I mean, the brawls happened in the 90s. Like, that was right. 25 right. years ago at this point. I'm 27. So, to so me. So, you remember it fondly is what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I understand, but like these are completely and Scotty to Scotty's credit, like he mentioned front office is very much like those. That's the core is those guys, but like this team, they're not the same teams anymore. Right. They're very vastly different teams. None of the players from those years are there. So like, I'm like that rivalry is bookended. It's in the past. Like this right. is a new avalanche team. And I really like Kale McCarr and I really like Nathan McKinnon. And I really love me some Darren Helm. 
So let's get them a cup because they are too good to never have a cup. <laughs> it, like it. it quite literally, Darren Helm single-handedly started one of the most chaotic like 48-hour periods on Red Wings Twitter I think I've ever seen because <laughs> everybody was just arguing about whether it was okay to root for the abs in the cup, like wow. legitimately. That was like... Everybody was like, no, you can never do it. And then, you know, like mostly the younger crowd was like, what are you talking about? Like, we want to see Darren Helm get a ring, like another one kind of thing. Like it, it, I mean, genuinely for like two days straight, it was just absolute. You couldn't do anything without seeing a bunch of people fighting and calling each other names over whether it was okay to root for the abs and the cup. So like you asked that because that was incredibly controversial two years ago at this time. Also, like, the biggest part of the controversy, like, or the, the rivalry was Claude Lemieux, right? Like, yeah. that was the big yeah, focal he's point. Agent. He's more of Cider's yeah. agent. So, like, <laughs> there, it's kind of, we're at a point now where it's yeah. all just, like, you throw your hands in the air, you go, whatever. Right. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you guys. Like, I was 15, 16 when that rivalry was going on. So, like, I was in the throes of it and, and remember it fondly. But... You're right. Like it was a moment in time. It was a great moment in time. And we can always look back on it saying like that was one of hockey and sports greatest rivalries ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now that they don't play like they're in opposite conferences and like they don't play all the time now. It's it's fun to revisit it whenever they play each other. But I think that the hatred to me is is gone. I don't think it's there anymore. Um, and, and for us, if, if the roles were reversed and you guys make a Stanley cup with JT Confer on your team, uh, depending on who you play, I think that's, you know, it's the matchup, right? I don't, I can't think of a, a Western conference team that I really care about that I would want. Uh, I'll tell you this, if it was Vegas, oh, it's red rings all day, <laughs> red wings all day, sweep them don't you know what I mean? But, uh, no, I, I th- and I think Kyle's in the same boat. Like you guys are a classic team. You're an original six team. Uh, I think the only original 16, like I cannot get behind is Boston. Other than that, no complaints uh, like, here. So it, it was fun to hate on them in the nineties and the early two thousands. But uh, I, I think collectively, and it is generational, right? You were saying like on, on Twitter, like maybe the older crowd, like my, my crowd was saying like, no, you can't root for them. But some of the younger was like, why do you hate them so much? <laughs> and yeah. so it makes a lot of sense, but yeah, I think yeah, I, the same boat. I think the rivalry is like in school, you competed with that one person with grades all the time. And it was just compete, compete, compete. And you're graduated and you see that person out in the store and you just kind of give them a nod. Like we went through a lot, but look at where we are right (laughs) now. I think that's where we are as teams. Like we went through a lot. We're not there anymore. We're not competing against each other like we used to. The road doesn't go through Detroit and Colorado like it used to. Yeah. We're in two completely different conferences. It's divisions. Everything is completely different. We've moved on. But there's still that little nod of, I remember you. But oh, things yeah. are different. I think that's a fantastic way to yeah. put it, honestly. Like, it's yeah. like, a, you know, you, yeah, you, you, you sit down, whatever, 20 years later, and you're like, man, like, that was crazy. But, like, it, it hasn't been a thing in a long time. And, like, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if, if – Lord willing, they, these two teams were to meet in the cup in the Ooh. future, then it would instantly probably like all, uh, come, all come, come rushing back, back for a lot of all come back. Like, all gloves are off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like as it stands right now, I think it's it's, you know, like the Red Wings Twitter account tweets out like happy turtle day every year. Like it's like a fun thing to like do like in that regard. Mm. But like 
it's not a, it's, I don't know. I, right. I, it's, it's hard for me to like actively, like on a nightly basis when I'm watching hockey in the winter, I'm not like, Oh, got to make sure the abs lost tonight. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, it's, it's far, far gone for sure. So you mentioned, um, you know, if these two teams were to, to make it to the Stanley cup final and why don't we just talk about that? Like where the red wings stand going into, uh, next season. I remember I was watching the draft and the Red Wings made, I think their first pick. And then, uh, Eisenman's doing an interview, uh, you know, with ESPN. And he said something where he, he was, he's, I, I don't know verbatim what it was, but it was to the effect of like, we're not there yet. We're not there. Like we, we haven't gone out and we're not going to go get that big name yet yeah. because we don't feel like we're there. Um, and that was all bull crap. I think because <laughs> I, was, was that just like he's he's playing it, so nobody thinks that he's a player. And then he goes and does what he did in 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 the free agency. So, I mean, you guys have to be feeling even with all this money that you still have socked away, the moves that have been made this off season and all the off season that have come before it. Like all those players are, are kind of getting their due now. Not all of them, but a lot of them are getting their due. Like. You have to be going into this season, and you did last season. Okay, anything is possible, but is it different this year? Because you guys, you guys are really set up to do. I don't want to say do damage, but you could you could force the issue. You're in a tough conference, however. What's your mindset right now going into this season? Uh, I think so. Last off season, our Scotty and I talked, and we were like, "This team is better, but it's right. not there yet." We want to be in the wild card conversation for as long as possible. And they were. They were. I mean, going into the trade deadline, they were like right in the, before those back-to-backs against Ottawa where they crushed Ottawa, us yeah. and crushed our dreams. Um, the Red Wings were in a playoff spot. Uh, and then they didn't get eliminated from playoff contention until literally the final week of the season. This year, mm-hmm. Scotty and I have spoken. We haven't done our whole Atlantic Division breakdown yet, but we're pretty much in agreement that the expectation should be like wild card contention, like not get eliminated last week, but like you need to be pushing for that spot, like inactive contention, not like, Oh, well you didn't technically get eliminated until the last week of the season, but like actually there in that conversation, because after, and I know it was a week free agent class. And you you mentioned the Eiserman thing is so funny because Scotty and I have talked so much about how you can't (laughs) believe anything that Eiserman says, but when he said that he got me. Like he, mm. he, he got me. I was Believed like, Oh, it. just this man, I Brian can't believe I... he's going to do this. And he <laughs> traded for to bring it. We, we are of the mindset. Like this has to be the year where it changes. Like you can't get caught in that middle ground. You can't get caught like the Minnesota wild for decades. Now they're finally yeah. making the playoffs, still getting eliminated in the first round. Mm-hmm. But you know, for decades, they were that team that just barely missed the playoffs every year. The Red Wings cannot afford to be that team. Cause then you don't get good draft picks and you don't make the playoffs. So you, it's the worst of both worlds. They have that you have to make that leap. And I think Eiserman has poised the organization to make that leap as soon as this year. Now, I think once Casper and Danielson and Edmondson and all their other prospects, because they have one of the best prospect pools in the league as well, really start to crack the lineup, then you're going to really see this team take that real leap. But I mean, with Debrinkit and the free agent signings, this team is better on paper than they were last year. Oh, absolutely. And I think that you could see them make a push, just like you said, though really tough division yeah the the division certainly is like a you know is a is a, is a huge factor there i think 
It's funny after Iserman made those comments, Brian and I, Brian was like, I can't like not like you not know, freaking out about not it. Again. He was like, I like that's so disheartening, whatever. And I was like, <laughs> my rebuttal to all of it, like I let him go for like whatever five seven minutes of just like how disappointed he was, and I was like. My opinion is Steve Eiserman's a liar. Like that is, yeah. like, that is that is my opinion. Like this dude lies. Like that is that's, <laughs> and uh, he's he's you know talks a lot and doesn't say anything. Like this dude is a is a liar. And obviously the Debrinket thing happened. And yeah, I I I, I emulate a lot a lot of what Brian said. I think last year our prediction was like be one of the best teams to miss the postseason, and that's pretty much what happened. I think mm-hmm. we would have liked to be maybe a little closer at the end of it, but they sold at the deadline and whatnot. And, um, and so I, I think that they did that decently well. And I think this year I, I I'm with Brian. I'm pretty lockstep there. I think the expect, I don't think it's ridiculous for a Red Wings fan going into opening night to be like, I expect this team to be in the wild card at the end of the season. Yeah. <clears throat> and how do how do Red Wings fans feel like we mentioned earlier, like the eternal rebuild that Detroit has been in? You guys are basically building this team in reverse of the rest of the teams in the East. I've, I follow a team or two in the East, and it's always like load up your forwards, address everything afterwards. You have Billy Huso in net. You have a very solid top four when it comes to defense. Now the forwards are coming to play. Now you're starting to put those pieces together. Has the proof of concept this far into the never-ending rebuild, is it starting to show, and do you think this is the way you should go if you want to start knocking off the top of the teams in the East? I mean, I love doing, like, the opposite of, like, the the, the mainstream flow there. Like, there's uh, a plethora of examples. Obviously, as you learned, like, I, I host Locked on Tiger. So, there's a lot of examples in the baseball world of teams doing that, too. Like, everyone's hitting homers. Okay, well, now the Marlins are really good. They all hit singles. Like, yeah. so, like, there, there's there's examples of, of people uh, doing that, and I, I love it. It's also just, like, very much, like, a... a, a I don't know, like Iserman's type is just like six six Swedish defenseman. Like that's yeah. just we're gonna have a whole blue line of of you know like very very large uh, European defensemen. And so I I think that his throughout this rebuild he has he was given nothing when it came to prospects. Right when the handoff was made, he was given nothing. There was not a very very few prospects in that pool. Um, that are like still like even close to impact players today, a couple, but like it's it's very few and far between. And so he's trimmed off all the all the cap and all the money that was spent. He started addressing the 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 blue line to sure up that side of it to your point. And then in the last, I don't know, three years, it's been more of like they're still gonna get their defensemen every draft. They're still gonna get their prototype big defensemen, but They've been, okay, we need some goal scoring at some point. And I think that that is really, to me, what the Debrinket trade signified was like, to me, mm. that's the date you circle on your calendar. And then it's like, that's when the Red Wings decided now is the time because mm. like, there was no goal scoring. It was the biggest problem last year. It's been the biggest issue for the last couple of years. Um, they have a lot of playmakers and no one that's willing to actually put the puck in the back of the net. And Debrinket certainly is a, is a shoot first goal scorer. And so like, that's, you know, like uh, address one area through the draft and then you can sign or trade for 
something down the road to put you over the edge. And I think that the timing is really the biggest part. And I, I like the timing currently. Yeah, I mean, Scotty brings up a good point. Um, he, Steve Eisman does ha- definitely have a type. He definitely builds. I mean, if this was the if this was the NFL, people would say, you know, build the trenches. And that's essentially the mm-hmm. NHL version right. of what Eisman is doing. You know, those big defensemen, he likes size on the blue line, size that can skate, uh, especially. Like, Edvinson's a good skater, and Sider is a really good skater, guys like that. Um, but I also think that where they ended up in these draft lotteries has a lot to do with the path they took in these, these drafts, because I mean, obviously these last two seasons, they didn't really have great odds, but there were like two or three straight seasons where they were in contention for the number one overall pick. And we all remember 2020 and Lafreniere and yeah, he hasn't really panned out. I blame that more on the Rangers inability to develop talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't draft a guy number one overall and then stuff him, stuff him on the fourth line and expect him to develop. But that's a whole different conversation for a different <laughs> day. Tune in to lock on Rangers. <laughs> yeah. John Chick does a great job. John, John's awesome. Uh, I think that it also has a lot to do with positional value too. When you think about it, because in the NHL, like defensemen are really hard to evaluate. You can get a goal scorer in every single draft. Like every single draft, you always hear about who is the top end goal scorers and you know who what teams they're going to go to. The Red Wings in this draft passed on several guys who are touted as like, they 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 pass on guys like Oliver Moore and Zach Benson and uh, uh, what's the kid's name that went to what was it right after the Red Wings went tenth overall? I'm drawing a blank. But a European kid, really well known for being such a great scorer. One of our commenters, commenters will tell tell me what it is. Um, which draft like, is this? Which which year? This one. This, this year. This past one. Okay. Like even this year in a stacked draft, they went with a two way center um, as their pick. Like yeah. they they te- they clearly have a pathway because they they Eisman thinks he can get scoring in pretty much any draft if he really needs it or address it via trade by a guy who just wants to simply come home and Alex to bring it. So. I, I really like the method that he's taken because as much as I would love to have a Connor McDavid or an Austin Matthews or a Leon Dreisaitl, you know, what has all that scoring gotten them in the end right. in, in, since the rebuild has began? They have top end scoring talent but without defense and without goaltending. They, I mean, Edmonton made it to the Eastern Con- or Western Conference finals, but they, they can never get there. You have to have good goaltending, which is hopefully in the works of COSA. And you have to have good defense if you want to win championships. I mean, that's the saying, right? Defense wins championships. Sure. Sure. Uh, as far as last year goes, if if your fan base needs someone to blame, you, they can blame me because uh, Adam, Adam Denker from Locked On Lightning and I host the what we did uh, the Thursday NHL Locked On NHL show, and at the trade deadline, we we gave our teams that we thought were going to make a run. I picked the Detroit Red Wings. So uh, I don't, I'm not saying I have like the kiss of death, but uh, it's all part of the plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that, that's totally my fault, but you guys are going to, you're going to, there is one uh, Red Wings hockey Jersey in my home. And it belongs oh. to my wife because she loves Ferris Bueller. And oh, he's, he's got, yeah. So, so she has that Jersey just because of that. There might be a second one coming, and you know the people that listen to our our show every day are probably going to oh. be, be annoyed with me bringing up Shane Gossespierre again because he's just like my favorite player uh, for a reason. For a reason, he like he, he went to college where I grew up in at sure. Union College in Schenectady, New York, right? So, um, so I've just followed him around, and I have his jerseys for every team that he's gone to. Wow. 
I, I can't stop the tr the train right now. So there might be, I'll just say it's my wife's. I'll just, yeah. <laughs> I'll just say it's her. But talk about that. Like I, I was, I knew it wasn't going to happen that he was coming to the avalanche, but I just, in the back of my head, I just want him to maybe just one year come to the avalanche so I can get an avalanche Shane Gosses beer Jersey. You guys nabbed him another great move. Thoughts on him. How, what, what, where's he fit in with you guys? I mean, we're, pumped like for i mean for brian and i we did uh when we did our free agency recap um for i can't remember if you agreed or if you picked someone else brian just for the sake of picking someone else but like we were pretty lockstep and like this is our favorite signing of the entire offseason like genuinely i mean this dude is a a a i mean legitimate you know like kind of quarterback defensively that's not a liability you know defensively either um and yeah, it's it's funny because like I also have like weirdly, like really like <laughs> ghost for his entire career. I really yeah. like that that Phillies team that he came up on and debuted with for whatever yeah. reason. I I really liked them, and so seeing him bounce around and the, his Philly career was obviously a roller coaster of of ups and downs. But um, it's yeah, I mean we're we're thrilled. We're absolutely thrilled about it, and, and it's a kind of a mutually beneficial, you know, both parties thing. He gets a one year deal good AAV, but like he gets a one-year deal in a system where he is going to have like the ability to drive the offense literally whenever he's on the ice. I mean, cause he's not going to be, uh, he, he's not going to be paired with cider or Wallman. So like, he's going to be like the, the quarterback hmm. on the blue line whenever he's on the ice and have a chance to have a really big year, I think. And then he'll be a free agent in a way better free agent class yeah. on top of that. And he can go out and, and, and truly get kind of like a long-term, like find your next home, like a real bag. And, and uh, so, yeah, I think, I think it's really beneficial for both sides, but yeah, we're, we're very, very excited for ghost to be uh, yeah. in the wing wheel for sure. It definitely, it took me off guard. I, it was a signing I was not expecting, but once I like dug into it, I'm like, Oh, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, he is a left-handed shot, but the Red Wings desperately needed right side D men and uh, across his career. He has about 50% def deployment at five on five on the right side. So we pretty much presume he will be a right side demon with the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings desperately need special teams help. He's great on the power play. So he'll probably be playing P power play one or power play two, just feeding to Brinkett on the wing or Perron on the wing uh, for one timers. So I think that it, it makes a lot of sense. And like Scotty says, it makes sense for ghost to spare too on a one year deal because the Red Wings suck. You trade him at the deadline to a contender mm. and you get assets back in the return. Mm. If he's great and the Red Wings are in the contention, extend him. Like there's a lot of options. There. There's a lot of flexibility. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense for a guy who's really rejuvenated his career in recent seasons. And I mean, the Red Wings death, you know, as great as Cider and Wolman have turned out to be, they definitely need more of an offensive punch, especially after trading Heronic away. Mm -hmm. go ahead, go. So, so what you're saying is next year, when the avalanche pick up a rehab yeah. ghost bear, we're going to be talking about ghost bear. Like we just <laughs> talked about Darren Helm and Chris yes. is going to be extremely happy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. And, and I do want to ask about uh, Yamamoto because you did make yeah. a, a deal for him and then they just, you know, didn't, didn't they decided not to, to sign him. Um, why? I mean, you, you have enough cap space, obviously. What, what was the reason to, to not, bring him in and keep him well the prevailing theory is that taking on yamamoto's contract was the price that the red wings paid to get clem costin uh that clem okay. costin mm -hmm. is actually the players player that detroit Red Wings wanted which is funny because he was an rfa headed to russia so i mean yes the edmonton oilers had the rights to him i guess the red wings see something in clem costin 
that is kind of like a, a diamond in the rough situation. And he would, would have an opportunity with Detroit. I mean, he's a big winger. Um, so the Red Wings could use a couple more big wingers. But when it comes to Yamamoto, I thought it made sense to kind of take a flyer on a guy. But they, they do have a, a lot of wingers already. So it might have just come down to roster size, especially with prospects pushing. Uh, with Yamamoto's age, buying his contract out is only going to cost him $500,000 for two years. So it's not like it's going to really hurt them. Yeah. Uh, so I think it really just comes down to the Red Wings wanted Clem Costin. Ken Holland said, okay, take Yamamoto too. Cause they only gave up what cash considerations or future considerations. So. Yeah. Uh, so they were just like, okay, we'll take Yamamoto and then we'll decide if we want him or not. And they're like, now nah, we got enough guys. And did he, did he go back to Edmonton or he's nowhere? Seattle. Right Seattle. Seattle. You're right. Yes. Yes. Seattle. That was a pretty good pick. And, and another guy that I was wanting the avalanche to look into Daniel. I was too. Yeah. That was yeah. another guy. It's just uh, all the guys that I wanted just said, no, we're going to freezing cold Michigan. Not that freezing <laughs> well, we cold Colorado is any better. But... So, like, that's like we, we signed 10 people and made oh, a trade. God. So, like, it's – I mean, that yeah. really was the, the majority. <laughs> we, we were overwhelmed as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was an active couple of days. I mean, yeah. the, the off season is supposed to be slow for most uh, content for you guys was was not, not a problem. You, you should have seen my reaction when they signed a second goalie. I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> when did we sign two goalies? Wow. So, uh, I mean, overall, though, like uh, uh, so far, very good off season for the Red Wings. I hate to throw a prediction your way. We're in July. If if. You had to tell me right now they make the playoffs. I know what you said about they got to be there. You can can't be, you know, can have another year where you're eliminated in, in the last week. Um, you're going up these steps, right? And you're gradually going up the steps. And and the next step is playoffs. Do they get there? Do you feel confident saying right now that they that they can clinch one? So I am gonna go with yes, partially just because it's July and I'm choosing to be optimistic. Sure. Um, but yeah. I think, I mean, like when I, when I break down like the Red Wings path to get to the playoffs in our insane division, uh, it's going to need to come at the expense of like, obviously the four or five teams above us the last several years to take steps down. And I think there's legitimately, while I'm not saying they're not playoff teams anymore, there is a path for a solid three of those teams at least to take somewhat of a step back. And again, that's not saying that they're going to be like 70 point teams or anything, but I, I do think it's feasible for the lightning. They've kind of been on a ever so slow, like, you know, a couple of points shaved off every year. Boston certainly isn't going to have 135 again. I guess we say that every year and then they do. So like, maybe I shouldn't say that out loud, but like, they, they like certainly can't repeat their their season last year. Uh, Toronto is just in, in crazy turmoil. Like who really knows mm. what they're going to be good, but like sure. who really knows on a consistent basis what they're going to be, you know, at come the trade deadline and all that. I don't know. I, I just, I don't think it's ridiculous for all of those teams plus Ottawa to be either where they were last year or like, you know, a few wins worse to the Red Wings to get them over the hump kind sure. of a thing. Yeah, I can't see Ottawa being too much better than they were last season. I don't think they've done enough this offseason to really 
take them over the top. I know they obviously finished ahead of the Red Wings last year and beat the Red Wings up on back-to-back occasions. But I mean, the Red Wings, if they want to make the playoffs, they have to have a Buffalo type season. I know Buffalo also missed the playoffs by one singular point, but they last season jumped like 20 points from the season prior. They got to make that leap. But if you're asking me right now in July, do I think they make the playoffs? I think they do as wild card too. And the reason I'm saying yes is because how much, how much longer do we kick the can down the road? Yeah. Like it's, it's got, it's gotta be at some point you gotta just go for it. And I yeah. think all of the acquisitions that Iserman made this offseason, he dressed goal scoring defense, center depth, goalie depth. I think that while some of that is maybe putting band-aids on roster spots until the young guys are ready, they weren't just like signing anybody like he used to. He would sign guys who are actually can play competitive NHL minutes like a JT Comfer. Two mm-hmm. years ago, he signed Pew Suter. That's a Band-Aid nice. player. Yeah. I can't believe he's still unsigned, by the way, because he's a fantastic depth center, defensive. It's great. Yeah. I have no Pugh clue Suter. why he's not on a team. Yeah, that's a, that ago, is a strange one, yeah. Two years yeah. ago, Pew Suter was our 2C. He is not a 2C. He is a 4C. This mm-hmm. year, he signed JT Comfer, which, you like you guys said, can play up to 2C. 3C, at a, like he's signing guys and making the team better. So I right. guess my point is, is like, yes, because it's, it's time. It's time to sure. finally make some noise yeah and uh, we have two months and some change before the season starts you guys could make 10 more moves in another goalie signing if you want to between now and then Travis Connect- another goalie can't have too many of those you know we're really big on uh, on goalies this offseason for two sure. months and seven million dollars right. yeah absolutely well, I, I know we were you know not trying to make this an hour-long show or anything but i i mean we talked earlier to throw it back to you guys a little bit yeah. um last mm. year was obviously like I, I I don't even say this to like Saul in the wound, like genuinely one of the most injury riddled teams I think I've seen in professional sports, like in recent memory, like in all four sports legitimately. And so I'm wondering if the mindset is like, oh, like not like a punt year last year, but like, right. oh, like we're, we still know what we are when everyone's fully healthy. Last year was last year. We're kind of over it, whatever. Let's try to get healthy and make this year like we're going to go back to what two years ago was or was there like a more of a mindset shift, I guess, during this offseason? Oh, there was a shift this offseason for sure. Um, you know, and, and we, we saw it coming, not just because of how they they played last year and, and, la- and how the season finished, you know, with the first round exit against Seattle. Uh, just because when you looked at their roster, they had so many uh, guys that were going to be unrestricted free agents. So you knew it was going to be like a changing of the guard where the, the year before that, they brought almost everybody back yeah. for that that Stanley Cup year. Um, and Joe Sackick even said, we need to get a little bit grittier. And that's it, it really hasn't been their style of play is to be this, you know, uh, forceful team. But that doesn't mean you just ignore that altogether. And I think they they did. They they went down that road, but it's never gonna be their forte to be this team that's just gonna go out and, and pound on you, right? They're gonna beat you with their speed, they're gonna beat you with skill and scoring ability. They just didn't want to get beat up as much as they were. So they went out and they they got a little bit beefier and and that's where they're at. But I, I think last year was not just a uh we'll throw in the towel because we'll just use the injuries as an excuse. You can't do that when you go out and win the division. You know, if you, if you still made the playoffs, but as like the the third seed or a wild card because of all the injuries, then you can say like, hey, we gave it the college try. It just didn't didn't work out. But no, like you still overcame all that 
number one team in your division, and then just fell completely flat in the playoffs. Sure. Completely flat. Like nothing <laughs> was going right. Give Seattle a ton of credit for that. But Avalanche were not playing their game. So they did. They needed to make some changes. Um, they have. I think they're good changes. I don't think they're fantastic changes, but they don't need to do that. When you have guys like Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Miko Rantanen, yeah. you just need to to make these little adjustments here and there. And I think that's exactly what they've done. My, and, and you can you could see the year the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, they were the best team in the league because of the skill that they had. And that's what took them to that spot. And of course, Darren Helm and players like that stepping up in key moments. But then you look to last year, Vegas, they were built for a wire-to-wire season. And you could see teams like Boston falling out in the playoffs. Nobody thought that would be possible. Then you see Florida get to the cup and fall completely apart because they just weren't built to last. And like Chris mentioned, this team going a more grittier style, it's not more of a grittier play. The Colorado Avalanche are built more to last this season. If they endure an injury, it's more of that next man up, a more physical player that also provides skill. So it's a it's a little bit of a shift in the focus on the way the Colorado Avalanche are going to play, but you still have Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Kale McCarr, and that's enough to carry you to where right. they want to be. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. I guess my to to again to reiterate, Scott, we don't want to make this like an hour long show, but I do. No, we're breaking this up. We're breaking this I, one up. I, I do want. <laughs> I'm going to just post the full thing. My fans are be <laughs> on a Friday. Um, my question is is like, how big of a worry is Gabriel Landeskog's future? Because I know he missed a huge oh. chunk of last offseason <laughs> uh, and had some injuries, and now there's questions about whether or not he'll even come back and play another NHL game. And I mean. At the time you guys drafted him and made him captain, he was the youngest captain in NHL history. I remember that was yeah. a big deal. I was kind of salty because I think at the time it was still Iserman until Landis Cog was named captain, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, the youngest uh, might have been. Might have been. I can't remember. Been. I was in high school when it happened, so my memory fails me. <laughs> but, I mean, and here you are, and it's like he didn't play the bulk of last season, and that's – I mean, I know you guys have McCarr and McKinnon, but he's just as much as the face of the organization as oh, yeah. serving as the captain. Oh, yeah. Um, that is the million-dollar question right now. And I think Avalanche fans are, are in, in the mindset of uh, we, we, won't, we won't be doom and gloom until we have to. And it, it, you don't really know right now. And, and, and this... The surgery that he's had done, um, apparently nobody, at least in the NBA, nobody's ever come back from this. Uh, he feels confident that he can, and he's going to say that right now. But uh, overall, we just, we, we, we don't know. We don't know. It, it, it's kind of scary. Uh, I, I, I've been on record to say, like, I think he will return. I think he will return. Will it be... Uh, you know, for for a, a good, solid career to end, and you know, have many years after he returns, that remains to be seen. I think he will at least come back, try to make a go of it, and then we'll see what happens. I don't know. Now, he actually reached out to uh, one of the, one of was it Lonzo Ball? I think Lonzo Ball's had this same exact surgery for the Bulls, um, and they've ruled him out. I think for next year, he hasn't played in like. But yeah, after it's gonna be like two plus years since he stepped on a basketball. Yeah, court. I don't and know when, when he runs he... on a treadmill. He looks, uh, I mean, like Bad. awful. Really, I don't know yeah. when he had that surgery done. I don't know. Um, 
but Landis Cog just had this one maybe yeah. like a couple months ago. This was like the, the last ditch effort to like try to get this thing fixed. Sure. And do we, we know how that happened? Like, do you guys know how, why he has this knee injury? Mm. It's because of Kale McCarr. Oh, really? <laughs> Kale McCarr got hit and his skate kind of went up and, and went right over his knee. So uh, we're we're not blaming Kale McCarr. Like, no, of course. We, we all love Kale McCarr, and and he got he got hit. It was you know just a fluky thing, but that's that's the reason we're wow. in the situation. That's horrible, a horrible way for that to happen. Didn't ben, I think Ben Sherratt was responsible for breaking Tyler Bertuzzi's hand earlier in the season too. Took a slap shot from the happen. point, and hit him. So it, it happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I love how Chris was also mentioning that he's got this optimism and that it's him with the optimism. Kyle doesn't. <laughs> I, I I don't believe because let's be honest, we're all we're all in the hockey world. Two years off of that that training to get back into the the NHL game, and not just to come back, but to also come back to a captaincy role. Like that, there's a lot that you have to get up to that level. And he's a family man now. He's got young kids, and when it comes to going into what will be year three, since he's played hockey. Does he want to go through that grind? Does he want to get to NH, not just hockey level, not just get out there and let's have a catch? Let's yeah. no, he wants to get out there and play NHL level hockey. That's going to be a tall task. And I don't know if Landis when he gets to that moment, is going to say, Yeah, I can do this. I think he's going to say, You know what? I tried, I've done everything I possibly could. That's why we went with this surgery, and I just can't perform at an NHL level. And then that's where the baton is passed. Yeah, being a being a Broncos fan, I always uh, I, so far I've been comparing this to the Terrell Davis knee injury. Sure, and tried to come back and and did. He played uh, you know a couple games here and there, but it would always cause him to miss another game. And then eventually he just had to be like, I can't do this. I can't keep playing this way. Is that where we're headed with Landis Scott? We don't know yet. Uh, but we are. We're, Kyle and I are on different different roads of this right now. I'm hoping Kyle's already going to. <laughs> hang his number in the rafters just preparing yeah. everybody just preparing so, Bork. is there gonna be like as far as divvying out like letters like is there already a conversation about like what the future of that is or are people like we're not um, talking about that till it's like you know yeah like, well what the future of it is 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 talked about it's likely not going to happen just for this year while landis Cog's out course. just as a holdover uh, but it is a fun conversation to have, like to, to say, like if if he does hang him up or whoever the next captain will be, because they have a, a handful of guys that it could be. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm on the Nathan McKinnon side. A lot of people are on the Kale McCarr side. Uh, some people are even throwing out, hey, by the time that Landis Cog does retire, Bo Byram might be a guy that is, wow. is thrown out there. As a, so they have options and it's kind of a fun discussion to have but uh for this year no it's not gonna happen i just feel like mckinnon might be a little bit too crazy to be <laughs> <laughs> you're you you are not the only one to say that and that's nope. that that's the main reason for for the people who think it should be mccarr is because yeah mckinnon's kind of like a hothead and can he really <laughs> get people well just like his off-ice regimen too it's like he holds himself to such a high standard that. like, yeah. yeah that's that's crazy. why it's going to Devontae's. Devontae, he could be a really one. good player. Could be another one if he sticks yeah. around. That that's a big yeah. if for uh, this next offseason if they can get him signed. So he really blossomed in the last few. Oh years. man, that, that that is. I mean, everybody wants to turn to the uh, Matt Duchesne trade as one of the the best trades um, in in the franchise history, and it's definitely one of them. 
the the simple two second round draft picks for Devon Taves is also looking like uh, one of the best ones that they've ever made mm-hmm. too. So it's been it's been fun to watch these guys work. And now it's uh, Chris McFarland who's kind of stepped into the role instead of Joe Sackick and is I think is pretty much just picked up where Sackick left off. He he does methodical moves. He doesn't go after the big names just because they're names. He goes for the guys that they have a system and they they want guys and they have a system and they have a kind of like what you guys were saying with Eisenman. Who, they look at you know the, the makeup of the guy and they want good high character guys and that's who they bring in. So so far it's been working. So yeah, man. Um, I think we should wrap it up right there. I think I think that'll that'll just about Let's do, do it. it. But uh, this was good stuff, man. So. Good luck for this season. I'm sure we will uh, link up maybe at some point during the uh, during the season, maybe halfway point, see where we are with sure. things and, and how things are going. So uh, why don't you guys throw out where people can, can follow you guys? Uh, at Brian Fisher, WWJ. Uh, WWJ is the radio station I work for. Uh, and our Locked On Twitter account is at LO underscore Red Wings. And Scotty? Uh, my Twitter is at Bentley Scotty. Uh, that's the Red Wings Twitter. And yeah, if you're randomly an Avalanche Detroit Tigers fan, you can find that Twitter <laughs> of uh, it's at Locked On Tigers. So there you go. That's a that's a. I mean, Kyle is an Avalanche Braves fan, so that's an odd combination. Interesting. I mean, so there probably well, are. There's some... a lot of like Braves and Cubs because of the TV deals in the '90s yep. and 2000s. Yeah, there's a oh, lot man. of those kind of <laughs> implants around though. And if any of your Red Wing fans want to uh, follow us over in Avalanche land, uh, follow the show on Twitter. There LLP. probably will be some. Yeah. I, yeah. We welcome them. I, I've yeah. had some good conversations with Red Wings fans. Yeah. Uh, LOP and underscore Avalanche on Twitter. Uh, Locked on Avalanche on Instagram, obviously, as well. Kyle has his own Twitter page. That's right. You can follow me at Shaggy Von Doom. Shaggy Von Doom. All right. All right, guys, thanks for doing this. Uh, we'll check in with you guys before the season starts and during as well. So uh, Perfect. Good Sounds luck. good. Thanks, All right, man. guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, making it your first listen of the day. Greatly appreciated. 